0: to be together today. Well, if you weren't here last week and you didn't hear about my 200-mile bike ride that I'm about to do a week Monday, I'm preparing for it, and I'm so, do you know what? I'm so excited because um, thank you for giving last week. We're, we're up to 600 pounds at the moment. Isn't that great? And, and do you know what? Um, this is a fundraiser for his church charity uh, if you if you didn't know we've been working with his church for well over 15 years now and over those years we've received millions of pounds worth of food literally in partnership with his church that we as a church i mean look around you we're not a huge church numerically but we are a huge church in heart we are a huge church in spirit, and it's been incredible. What an incredible journey we've had for the last 15 years. We've seen God do the impossible. We've seen God do the incredible. We've seen God do miracle after miracle when it comes to provision, and in this wonderful partnership with His church, we've received literally millions of pounds worth of food that we together as God's people have been able to distribute throughout south wales to needy families into homes and into schools in everywhere in fact where there's been need that has needed provision we've been able to provide blessing and show the goodness of god as god's people in in a dry and an arid place what a joy it's been so i'm doing this fundraiser in partnership with his church and yeah so we've been able to raise 600 pounds so far but that equates to 3000 pounds worth of food because every pound that's given is mul- is is multiplied by 5 when it comes to his church's partnership with us they provide 5 pounds worth of food for every pound that's given so if you haven't given yet and you're able to give no pressure you're able to give love you to be a part of that if you can. We've got a Just Give In link that's on our website. You can go directly there and um, give that way. Or oh, there's buckets at the back. And uh, after I've done it, I'll be giving you a little update um, of, of what happened. Just pray for me, I tell you. Pray for me. I'll be up on that mountain enjoying myself. 200 smiles, I'm calling it. Not 200 miles. 200 smiles because I love my bike. God bless you. Well, this morning, we're going to talk about the power of God's peace in our lives. And in a moment, we're going to turn to some well-known scriptures that show us the peace of God as a prescription for every single life problem that might come our way. We never have to get worked up. We never have to get worked over by the circumstances of life because the peace of God is there to be a provision for us in every problem that we face. The peace of God is there for each and every one of us to be, for us to be our portion. That's how valuable you are to God. That's how precious your life is to God that He would invest His very own peace into your heart, into your mind, to secure you and help you and strengthen you in every circumstance and every situation that you might face. It's the power of God's peace that takes us through, that enables us in the most difficult of times to be joyful, It's the power of God's peace that enables us to remain well and whole and strong emotionally, even when circumstances might be very difficult. In a moment, we're going to turn to Philippians chapter 4. We're going to read from verse 6 and 7, verses that I'm sure all of us know very well. And we're going to look at the power of God's peace and how it's to powerfully operate in our lives. But before we do, let me just give you a background just to this letter that Paul wrote, the book of Philippians. Because whilst it's an amazing letter, Paul, when writing it, was again imprisoned for sharing the good news about Jesus, for sharing His face, His faith. Even though this letter is bright and strong and joyful, the conditions from which it was written were negative and harsh and difficult and full of crisis. However, what's amazing to see when you read this letter is that you hardly hear anything about Paul's imprisonment in his writing. Because in spite of being faced with awful pressing fears, he was resting securely in the peace that he was talking about. And it was from this place of peace whilst facing great personal crisis that Paul calls all believers, both you and I, to enter. It's a high position that Paul calls us to enter into, a high position of living where we are victorious over all of life's problems, all of life's circumstances, reigning in life, Well and joyful emotionally from this high position of peace that Paul calls us into. The position of God's peace is where we're called to live. From this position of God's peace is where we are called to live, where we are called to enjoy and experience the fullness that God has for all of us. It's quite remarkable when reading this this letter, and it's only a short letter, it's only four chapters long, but when I read it through the week, it's quite remarkable to see that there's no tones of strife or stress in it. Paul's not exasperated in his emotions. He's not panicking. Even though in this letter, he briefly considers that his life may soon be poured out like a drink offering, Yet, that doesn't even trouble him. He's considering his departure from this life in this very letter. But he's untroubled by that thought. He's untroubled. And he only makes a brief mention of it. Listen to Paul's prescription for every problem that we will ever face as he speaks about the power of God's peace In Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, he says this, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes or surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now, after reading those words that Paul speaks to us, if we were to try and guess his location based on his joyful spirit, if we were to try and locate where Paul was when he wrote this letter, we'd never imagine that he was imprisoned. We'd never imagine that he was restricted and chained up to a Roman soldier. Because from Paul's position, from Paul's location, we would imagine him to be negative. From this place that he was in, this prison that he was incarcerated by, we'd never imagine him to be so bright. We'd never imagined him to be so positive. And yet from this very place of darkness, from this very place of negative negativity, when you read his letter, his spirit is buoyant. His, his spirit is joyful and strong. When you read Paul's letter, it would be easy to imagine him as being in a place of great rest in a location that's full of joy, a location that's full of peace, not in the dank conditions that he was in. You read this letter, the letter to the Philippians, and you don't see a man speaking with bitterness. You don't hear a man that's full of resentment over his circumstances or full of any kind of trepidation or fear for the future. Instead, almost on every line of this letter, you hear and smell the rich aroma of a life that is completely found and secure in God, in His peace that passes understanding. Paul, in all of his circumstances, in all of his crisis, knew that peace that he was calling all to enter into. Over 18 times in just four chapters in this letter, Paul is encouraging everyone to rejoice and be joyful and to be thankful to the Lord in all things. Just imagine that. Location that Paul is in is far from being joyful. The surrounds and the environment that he's experiencing are far from, in a sense, giving thanks for, and yet, here in this place of in this place of, of banishment, in this place of restriction and limitation. Paul is unbound. Paul isn't a prisoner. Paul is enjoying the rest. Paul is enjoying the security of God's peace that passes understanding, guarding his heart and his mind through Christ Jesus. And it's from this place of imprisonment that Paul proclaimed in this very letter. It's God who works in us, both to will and to do his good pleasure. So do everything without complaining. What a wonderful, bright, confident, buoyant spirit this apostle had. How can you live like that? How can you have such an attitude for life whilst experiencing such negativity? How can, you, how can you genuinely know such joy as this? Well, you can when you have Jesus living in your heart, when you're placing your trust and your faith in God, when you're pre- presenting your requests unto Him and letting them be made known unto Him. It's there, right there where you encounter supernatural peace. And that's what Paul is talking about. That's what Paul is pointing out as our portion. He's pointing it out to us. This is your portion, child of God, the peace of God that passes all understanding. It's for you to have amidst all of the variances and circumstances of life that you face. There's peace there to be your portion. There's peace there. To be there for your support, your security, and your your well-being. It's God who works in us, he says, both to will and to do his good pleasure. So do everything without complaining. Paul knew that God's peace was the prescription for every problem that we might face in life. You don't have to get worried. As we've already heard, as the word of the Lord has come to us, we don't have to worry. We don't have to fear. Why? Because peace is the prescription. God's peace is the prescription for every life problem that we might ever face. Irrespective of what it is, there's peace to take us through, there's peace to take us on, there's peace to lead us through all of the seasons that we might have in life. In Philippians 4, verse 6, Paul's attitude is high. Paul's attitude is bright as he exhorts us never to bow to anxiety. He says, be anxious for nothing. Don't let anything in this life, any circumstance, any crisis of life ever bring you to a point of perplexity or mental anxiety. Be anxious for nothing. Don't allow yourself to be become anxious or fretful. You know, that word anxiety means to, literally to fall to pieces. God does not get glory when we fall to pieces. And there's lots of things in life that come our way that break against our lives suddenly, that try to bring our lives to a place of pieces. But I tell you, when those things come hard and fast as they do, God will not allow any single one of us to fall to pieces because His peace keeps us together. Not our own strength, not our own will, Not our own drive-through things. No, God's peace that passes understanding will enable us to be whole, to be joyful, to be strong, to be content wherever we are or whatever we go through. But Paul exhorts us, don't let anxiety get the better of you. Don't give yourself to any anxious thought. No, refute those thoughts. Refute that anxious spirit. Don't allow it to get into you. Be anxious for nothing. It's a command that he's giving. Not a command that slaps you, but a command of concern, a command for your well-being, a command to enable you to be ready to receive all of God's peace that he wants to give. Be anxious for nothing. He tells us no matter what comes our way. Instead, the antidote is simple. Instead, talk to God. Talk to Him. Don't be anxious. No, go to God. Talk to Him. In everything He says. By prayer and supplication. One person said this, is prayer your Your spare tire or your steering wheel? Is prayer something that you just pull out of the the boot when, you know, the car breaks down and you change the wheel every, every, every so often because the car can't go any further because of the flat tire? You use it as a spare tire? Prayer, God, help! Or is it your steering wheel directing you in everything. Paul is saying, listen, don't use prayer as a spare tire whenever you just meet a crisis in life. Use it as your steering wheel in everything to guide you and steer you through every single day. In everything, he says, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. The antidote to life's problems, the antidote to the things that come our way as we we walk through everyday life. The antidote to it all is simple. Prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving. Paul was a brilliant man. And yet, what was so brilliant about him was that he was simple in His advice, simple in His instruction to us. He doesn't try to boggle us with science. Just talk to God. These issues can be huge. These problems that come our way can tower over us. Why don't you just talk to God about it? Why don't you just pray and give thanks to God and let your requests be made known unto God. He wants to know. He wants to be involved. So make them known to God. The wonderful thing about prayer is that you leave a world of not being able to do something about your circumstances far behind, and you enter into God's realm where all things are possible to those who believe. That's what prayer enables you to do. It enables you to leave the limitations and the worries and the anxieties of this world far, far behind you. And it enables you to step into the very presence of God where there is no limitation, where there is no restriction, where all things are available to you, before the throne of God. We've already heard that this morning, numerous times. Daniel didn't know that I was going to be touching that. Neither did my mom when the Spirit spoke through her. Pray. Pray. When faced with life's problems, let your requests be made known to God. I mean, it's so easy. It's so simple. This is childlike stuff. That if we'll receive it, if we'll heed it and joyfully obey it, we'll be amazed at what happens. We'll be amazed at the answers to the prayers Of our heart we truly will when Paul instructs us to pray he's saying listen don't deny God the opportunity see God is looking for opportunities he really is I believe that it's like he's saying listen pray let your requests be made known unto God don't deny God the opportunity to enter into your problems Don't deny God the opportunity to enter into and step in to the troubles that you have and the difficulties that you face. Let your requests be made known to God. And when you invite Him in, when you invite Him in to your need, you'll find that you'll receive peace from Him. That's the miracle that takes place. You will receive peace from Him that passes Understand it, God's not going to intrude. God's not going to just step in there and take control. God requires us to pray, to let our requests be made known unto Him. And the moment we do, come on, that's a testimony, surely, of all of us. We know that that's that's the case. Well, the problem that you're, you're facing currently, don't let that erase your trust and your faith in God. Yeah, but it's bigger than all the other ones. But it's not too big for God. It might be one of the biggest issues that you face so far. That might be true. But I'm telling you now, if you trust God, it's going to become a very big testimony for His glory. Because His power, His power will move in that situation and will see you through. And he'll give you peace, his peace that passes understanding that will guard your heart and your mind through, through Christ Jesus. Do you know that word, that word, guard? The picture in the original language is, a, is of a garrison of soldiers standing on the walls of a great fort, looking out for any opposing army that would attack, looking out for any trouble that might come so that a response would be immediately given and the safety of the city would be ensured. When God says His peace that passes understanding will guard your heart and your mind That's the picture that Paul was thinking about. God's peace is ready to respond to anything that would try to cause worry, anxiety, or fear in your life. It will guard you. It will protect you. It's there, ready at all times to ensure that you stay in His Rest, enjoy it, enjoy it. Who wants to live a life full of anxiety? Any takers? Who wants to live a life full of worry, a life of fear? No, we know what that's like. It's restrictive. It, it, it oppresses and depresses and robs us of our greatest years. God wants your greatest years, the greatest remaining years of your life. He wants them to be fruitful. He wants them to be joyful. He wants you to wake up every day happy and fulfilled, not not worrying whether, you know, you've got to tick this problem off and, and, and sort this stress out. Now, there are, things that we've got to deal with responsibly. But is there a happiness in your heart? Is there a joyfulness in your spirit? Or are you running on that hamster wheel, exhausted? It's not God's will for anyone to run around on that little hamster wheel. You've got steam coming out of your ears, sweat from your brow, and you're just exhausted by life. If that's the case, listen, sit down and take it before the Lord and ask Him to make some changes, ask Him to help you. I've been that little hamster on the wheel. I have, certainly. And I'm sure all of us at some point could look back and see ourselves there. It's not right. God did not create our lives. You are fearfully and wonderfully made, God says. It's not right. It brings God no pleasure. What brings God pleasure? What brings Jesus pleasure? Is that you're experiencing the joy of the Lord, that you're free to get up every day contented with life, at rest in yourself. Not necessarily problem-free, but at heart, knowing that His peace is God in your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. That's His will. That really is His will for all of us. I remember reading a testimony by a man called Wallace Johnson, and it blessed me greatly. And Wallace Johnson was... A believer, a lover of Jesus. And for all of his life, he worked in a sawmill. But at the age of 40, there was a recession. And one day, his, his boss came in and just gave him the cold news that he was going to have to be sacked from his job because there was, there was a downturn in business. And they, they, they had to lay off. Most of the workforce, well, this man was just completely shocked at the news. He thought his career was secure in the sawmill. That's all he'd ever given his life to. That's where his future was, he thought. But on this day, his boss told him that he was going to be laid off. He didn't know what to do. He thought his life and his work life anyway had come to an end. He didn't know what, where to go or who to turn. And then he thought, how, how would he tell his wife? He was the main breadwinner. He had children, a wife and family that he had to support. Well, the story goes, he went home that night, sat at the table, very sad. His wife saw the sadness of his heart and asked him what was wrong. And then he told her the awful news of the day. I've been laid off. I don't have a job at the sawmill. His wife said, well, well, Wallace, what are you going to do now? And suddenly, it's quite amazing. In the lowest moment of his life, in the darkest moment, in a time where it seemed as if there was no hope, no way forward, up out of his spirit came these words. I'm going to be a builder. A builder? A builder. But Wallace, you've worked in the sawmill all of your life. What do you mean? You're going to be a builder. He said to his wife, he said, Yep. Yeah. He said, I'm going to take our, our life savings, the little that we have, and I'm going to invest them into my own building business. I'm going to build small motels. Well, he went out, did his venture, built two small motels with their life savings and a few loans, and they were a huge success. In the midst of a recession, six months later, this man was on a roll, and then within 12 months, he was a multi-millionaire. Imagine that. This man... Wasn't a builder. He had no experience in building. He was a sawmill operator. And yet in that moment of crisis. In that moment of darkness. In that moment where circumstances were crushing. The Spirit of God spoke up from His Spirit. And gave Him direction and light for His path. Didn't David say the steps of a righteous man are ordered by God? The Lord. Didn't David say, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. When that word is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path, you'll have peace that passes understanding just like Wallace Johnson. He had a lamp unto his feet that day in his dark circumstance. He had a light that shone down his path. And he went on from success to success to success. The name of his company, Holiday Inns. He established his hotel chain nationally and internationally around the globe. And he would often say, when testifying, because he was born again, he would often say, if I could find the man that laid me off that day, oh, I would shake his hand and thank him. I would thank him and rejoice with him for setting me free from that sawmill because that day I realized that being a sawmill operator wasn't the end of the plan that God had for me. He had to go through a dark period And in that dark period, find the peace of God that passes understanding, God in his heart and mind through Christ Jesus to lead him on into into the future that God had for him. Now, probably none of us here are going to open up a string of hotel chains that are going to go all over the world. I'm not saying it for that reason. But where do you need leading? Where do you need guidance? What problem, what issue, what situation is perplexing to you? God will guide you through. He will. He will guide you through. Sometimes we have to patiently wait, but there will be guidance. And in that patient waiting, you will know a peace that passes understanding. Why? because he loves you that's why that's why you're valuable and precious to god that he would give the blood of his son for for us he would never hold his peace back from us god's plans god's plans are at work in all of our lives and sometimes it might not seem like that. Sometimes it might seem as if everything is in reverse. But in those times, no, God's plan is being worked out. God's plan is coming to fruition. And in the times that we find it difficult, in the times that we find it hard, where we, where we want to give way to anxiety, it's in those times that His peace that passes understanding comes in and helps us. This peace, as we've said, that Paul talks about is received as we pray. But there's an amazing picture and message within this word, peace, that Paul uses and the very peace of God that he calls us to experience because this word talks about two becoming one. It's a picture of being bound together or woven in to God. It literally means to be made one with God. And Paul says, the peace of God that passes understanding will guard your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. He's saying that you're going to be woven and stitched in, made one with God himself. And in that oneness and in that weaving of your life into God, you'll experience His peace. That's the picture. That's the security. That's the rest that's guaranteed. Paul's telling us that we never have to be troubled by life's troubles anymore. We don't have to allow our fears or our worries or concerns to fuel any kind of anxiety within instead. Take hold of those circumstances. Take hold of those problems. Don't sit silently listening to them. No. Take them by the scruff of the neck and say, you're coming with me into the presence of God. And you transform that very circumstance, that very problem, into a request as you make it known to God. From the same place of being chained to a Roman soldier, whilst Paul wrote his letter to believers at Philippi, he also wrote a letter from the same place to believers at Colossae. From the same imprisoning circumstances, Paul wrote his letter or the book that we know as Colossians. And just like in his letter to the Philippians, in his letter to believers at Colossae, there's still no trace of panic in this man. But here again in this this book, in the book of Colossians, Paul is still talking about peace. Now his instruction is a little different. Because here... He's not talking about peace that passes understanding. Paul now is talking about a peace that works in our understanding. That instructs us. A peace that becomes the leading voice in our lives. To give direction. To shape our decisions. And our choices as we go forward in life. Very simply and directly in Colossians chapter 3 verse 15, Paul says this, not talking about a peace now that passes understanding, guarding our heart and mind. He's talking about a direct peace that we understand the voice of God's peace to shape our choices. He says this in verse 15, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts. That word rule that Paul uses literally means for God's peace to become the umpire, for God's peace to become the referee in our lives. And in Paul's day, much like our day, an umpire or a referee brought the final decision on the field. Now, football supporters in the room this morning, I don't think any of them like the referee, do they? We argue with the referee, we fight the referee, we insult the referee from the stands. But when there's foul play on the field, when order needs to be established, where there's confusion about an action that's taken on the field of play, It's the referee that has final authority. It's the referee that points the way forward. It's the referee that establishes order again. And Paul here, when he says to those believers at Colossae, to let the peace of God rule in their hearts, he's saying, let the peace of God be the umpire of all things in relation to life. Let the peace of God be the referee When it comes to making a decision, not only is this a peace that passes your understanding, guarding your heart and your mind when you don't know what's going on in life, when circumstances are bigger than your ability to interpret, not only is it a peace that gives you rest in amidst the storm that you can't understand it's a very real, down-to-earth, day-to-day piece that wants to have an active voice in your life as the referee. Now, of course, your emotions are going to rise up against some of the directions and orders that that peace gives. That's why Paul says we have to let it rule. It's a choice. It's a decision. You can go against the peace of God, you can make a decision in your, in your day-to-day life to ignore the umpire, to ignore the warnings that the referee brings. I remember having a car once, a Citroen BX, and I remember for, for weeks, my dashboard would be lit up like a Christmas tree with warning lights and and uh, you know, I I was an apprentice, so I could afford to put fuel in the car, but I couldn't afford to upkeep the thing. And all these warning lights have come on. I think, oh my goodness me, service this, service that. And I used to, to, to remove the warning lights. I used to get my hand, and I'd be driving down the road, and I would hit the top of the dashboard hard with the palm of my hand. I would smack it hard, and the warning lights would go off. This is the way. This is what the old cavemen used to do when they had their club. They needed to go out and get some food. Hit a big dinosaur over the air, drag it home, and cook it. Well, that, that spirit came on me, spirit of a Welsh caveman. The, there it would be. The, the dashboard would light up. Like a Christmas tree, bam! Smack it, and they'd go off, and I carry on driving. Well, one day the engine warning light came on, and he's laughing. It works. He's a a fantastic mechanic. He is. It works on it, and he knows the history. My history with cars is not the best. Well, the engine warning light came on, and it, it. as usual I just smacked it and off it went. It worked again. And it worked for a few days. And then one fateful night my mum was with me. We were going we were going on the bypass. I'll never forget it. We were going on the bypass past Astrid menach of all places. And on it came but it was extra bright that night. <laughs> and I smacked the dashboard and it didn't go off. And I smacked it again. I smacked it a couple of times. <laughs> and all of a sudden, it didn't even make a, a loud bang, right? I can't even tell you it was, it was a loud bang. It just went puff, like that. I, it must have thought, oh, do you know what? I haven't got it in me even to make a loud bang anymore. It just went puff, And that was it. It would not start again. I went on the hard shoulder. Rung the rung the scrap man up. I said, well, c- come and take this away. He said, oh, mate, you have cooked this engine good and proper. What have you done to it? I said, nothing. Nothing at all. He said, that's your problem. I hadn't listened to the warning lights. I hadn't listened to the message that was being sent to me day after day after day after day. And then suddenly it went poof. And that was it. It was towed away to the scrapyard. And it's probably in people's homes now on there, in their cupboards, made into tins of beans and soup. And at least it was recycled. Peace wants to be the umpire, the referee. Go with His advice. Go with His decisions. Irrespective of what people say. It's not that people can't give us good advice. They can. It's important to listen. But do you know what? If it's against the peace of God that wants to rule in your heart, go with that peace. Because that peace will lead you and guide you into God's rich blessing. And ask the musicians to come. We're going to close in just a few moments. But I want to read to you a few verses from the book of Isaiah concerning the power of God's peace. In Isaiah 55, Isaiah sees the immense blessing of being led out with peace. God wants us to be led out into life with peace, He wants it to be. Peace that passes understanding, yes. He wants it to be a peace that controls and rules in our hearts to aid us in our decisions and our choices that we make. But he wants us to be led out into life by this wonderful peace. Listen to Isaiah's words. in Isaiah 55 verses 12 through to verse 13, he says this, "For you shall go out with joy." And be led out with peace, the mountains and the hills shall break forth into singing before you. And all the trees of the fields shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come the cypress tree. And instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree. Isaiah doesn't say go out into life with your own strength, with your own ingenuity, with your own power and force. That's what's needed to break down life's mountains. That's what's needed to overcome what opposes you. No, Isaiah doesn't tell us to go out with our own strength, with our own abilities. No, he says go out with joy. Go out with joy Be led forth with peace, and the very mountains that once opposed you will break down before you in song. The very things that stood over you, that overshadowed your life, those very things that may have been intimidating to you, whether it's in your workplace, whether it's in, in a home situation, whether it's in a group of colleagues, Issues, very real life issues that seem to be mountainous. That seem to be overshadowing and overcoming you. How do you deal with those? Isaiah shows us how we deal with those. Not in our own strength. Not in our own abilities. No, he says, go out with joy. Let the joy of the Lord be your strength. Be led forth with peace now. Walk into every situation of life that you find yourself in. And you'll find that those very things that intimidated you, those very things that you've tried to overcome in your own strength, in your own reason, those very things, when you go at them with the joy of the Lord, not a care in the world, being led forth with peace, those very things will break out into song before you. They will submit to you. And the joy and the peace that is your portion. Not only that, he says, all of those thorny issues that life has been filled with, all of those, all of those painful, sharp moments will be turned to become like the myrtle tree. The myrtle tree is an evergreen The myrtle tree is a beautiful tree. It's as beautiful in winter as it is in summer. What a life picture to have. What a life experience is ours. Come on, let's take it. Come on, let's believe it's ours. Let's live it every single day right here where we are situated in life. Life is not meant to be A picture of thorns that's sharp and nasty. No, your life is a picture. Just like a myrtle tree. Evergreen. Irrespective of the season. Irrespective of whether it's winter and dark and harsh. You're green and luscious and fruitful. Why? Because you go out with joy. You get up with joy. You go out with joy. And you are led forth with peace. He tells us that our lives are not to be like a bramble. They're not going to resemble a bramble that's disordered and chaotic. That's all over the place. No, he said, you'll be like the cypress tree. Or like the myrtle tree producing sweet fruit. You'll not be like the thorn, but like the cypress tree that's evergreen. You'll not be like the bramble, but like the myrtle tree that produces sweet fruit. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the peace that you provide. Thank you that you call us through your word to let our requests be made known unto you, to leave them with you, not to carry them and to be weighed down by them and to become anxious, but to come into your presence and to let our requests be made known unto you so that we can encounter your peace that passes understanding, guarding our heart and our mind, Lord. Lord, that same peace that passes our understanding is an understandable peace in that it wants to be the active voice. Some of us are laboring over decisions that we should never be laboring over because peace has not created them. Peace has not guided us in that way. We've got to listen to the umpire. We've got to go with the decision of the referee in relation to where we are and in relation to the way ahead. Go with the umpire. Go with the referee. Whatever our place today, Lord, I pray if we need peace that passes understanding or if we need to let it rule in our heart, Lord, I pray that we would do that. And as Paul said in 2 Thessalonians 3.16, and I pray this over every one of us now, now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace always in every way. That is your portion. May the Lord of peace himself give you peace always, in every way, for every situation of life that we face, irrespective of what it is. Lord, I pray for your people to receive peace in every way, in Jesus' name. Amen.